Hello everyone, my name is Audrey Gavigan. I am today's guest host for Inside the Law. This story was originally published by Michelle Theriel Boots of the Anchorage Daily News in partnership with ProPublica on June 18, 2020. The wording of this story has been modified for audio recording, but the message remains the same. Everything Mary Savage did in the hours after she was attacked was dissected on the witness stand, an experience so upsetting that she vomited. But years later, she finds comfort knowing her testimony led to her attacker's conviction. It happened on a Friday night in June, the kind of summer night where darkness barely settles on Anchorage. The downtown bars had closed and Mary Savage was headed home, unaware that a stranger would change her life before she even reached her front door. The 30-year-old woman was drunk on vodka and cranberry juice and was eager to get home to the Mountain Dew apartment she shared with her boyfriend. Her ride had dropped her off only a block away. She'd always felt safe here. A police substation was located nearby. As a young man approached her, she didn't worry right away. But as she tried to walk around him, the stranger blocked her path. Suddenly, he was groping her, putting his hands all over her body. When she yelled at him to stop, he punched her in the head. Savage only weighed around 100 pounds, so small that she shopped for her clothes in the children's section. As she lay crumpled on the ground, the man stomped on her head, back, and stomach. He grabbed her waist-length hair and began dragging her towards a secluded clump of bushes. If he takes me anywhere, I'm not going to survive it, she thought. Luckily, her screams caught the attention of the neighbors. Two men came running and tackled her attacker, a 24-year-old man named Yosbany Moore from North Carolina, with a record of drug and property crimes. By the time the struggle had ended, Moore had dragged Savage more than 25 feet by her hair. The violent assault was over, but in some ways, the hard part was just beginning. In that moment, Mary Savage became a victim of a sexual crime, triggering a criminal investigation and a series of legal proceedings, all meant to seek justice for her, but which at the time felt as traumatic as the assault itself. Police arrived at 3 a.m. and asked Savage the same questions over and over. It felt as if she were the one who had done something wrong. I didn't realize that they were trying to make sure they had very solid answers and that it was for my benefit, she said. Then she went home to her apartment where her boyfriend comforted her. The couple had sex and around 6 a.m. she got high on meth. Then she went to an exam by a nurse from the sexual assault response team to document the injuries from the assault. She didn't realize everything she did in the hours before and after the attack would later be dissected in court. The summer of 2007 had already been a dark time in Savage's life. She was addicted to meth and had briefly been homeless. The attack and the new fears that followed uprooted her life. She refused to leave her house without a gun or go outside alone. The streets seemed to teem with menacing strangers. He attacked me just 15 feet from my front door, she said. My sense of safety and security was completely gone. She fled Anchorage for a place where encountering a stranger was impossible, her grandparents' cabin in Anvik, a village on the Yukon River with a population of just 60. A few months later, she got a call from prosecutors. Moore's trial was happening soon, and she was the crucial witness. Savage was reluctant to testify, but she knew the case rested on her testimony. I remember her not wanting to do it, but doing it, said Brittany Dunlop, the prosecuting attorney in the case, but she felt like she kind of had to. To protect other people. While she was on the witness stand, Moore's defense attorney went after the fact that Savage had sex with her boyfriend after the assault, cast doubt on her first words to police when they arrived, 
and pointed out that she was drunk and had used meth on the evening of the incident. It was by far one of the worst experiences I've had in my life, she recalled, and that includes the assault. During one particularly brutal moment of the cross-examination, Savage suddenly vomited on the witness stand as the courtroom looked on. She escaped to the bathroom to compose herself. Staring in the mirror, she reminded herself that the worst part was over. He was so dangerous. I knew he belonged in prison, she said. A jury found Moore guilty on one charge of attempted sexual assault and two charges of second-degree sexual assault. Instead of relief, Savage felt numb. She learned the verdict was not quite the end of the case. It took almost a year and a half dozen hearings to get to the sentencing. Savage attended all of them. She wanted to remind everyone that she was more than just MS, the set of initials used to identify her in court documents. I wanted the court to see that I was real, she said. At Moore's sentencing in November 2008, she once again took the stand to read a victim impact statement. I have the right to live free from fear, danger, and harm. I also have the right to decide who can and cannot touch my body, she said. Savage told the court about the lasting physical and psychological reminders of the assault. Neck pain, hypervigilance, the sadness of chopping off her long hair because so much had been torn out in the attack. Savage hadn't stopped blaming herself for what happened until then. I'm allowed to get drunk. I'm allowed to talk to strangers. I'm allowed to do everything I did, she said. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't deserve it in any way. In a letter from Spring Creek Correctional Center, Moore admitted that he attacked Savage, but denied that he was trying to sexually assault her. I physically assaulted a woman. Nothing more, nothing less, he wrote. Moore was sentenced to 40 years in prison. It wasn't over, though. Moore appealed his sentence, saying it was excessive. An appellate court sent the sentencing back to a lower court, and Moore was resentenced in 2012. His current release date is in 2034. For years after the attack, Savage would get clean from meth in the winter and then start using again in June. Finally, someone asked her, Did something happen to you in June? She realized she'd been relapsing around the anniversary of the attack. In 2015, Savage got clean and sober for good. She began counseling because she wanted to learn to allow emotions about the attack to surface after years of coping through detachment. It took a lot of hard work, she said. Gradually, life has gotten better, and she is still in recovery. At 43, she runs a successful cleaning and janitorial business. She has gained custody of her daughter, something she wouldn't have thought possible in a million years while she was still using, she said. Today, instead of focusing on how terrible the witness stand was, she thinks about what her testimony accomplished. I stopped this man, Savage said, from a lifelong quest of harming women. I did that. The assault still haunts her. Her neck hurts all the time, forever a reminder of the beating. In counseling, she's learned that telling the story of what happened helps remove the power from it. I'll keep doing it if it can help somebody, she said, even if that somebody is me. Thank you again to the original writer of this article, Michelle Theriault Boots of the Anchorage Daily News, and to ProPublica. You can make a donation to support journalism like this at propublica.org give. Once again, that's propublica.org give. Thank you.